Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that notification bell. That way, more people will find out about our content and you'll be notified every time we do a new video. Our guest today is Daniel Goodwin. He is a Christian and a free speech activist. He was in the United States Capitol on January 6, 2021, for less than 40 seconds. He served two months in prison and was ordered to pay the government $3,000. He has been interviewed by Tucker Carlson back when Tucker still had a show on Fox News. And Daniel is an expert journalist covering the continuing January 6th saga on a website called StopHate.com. Daniel's mother, Marie Goodwin, helps run PatriotMailProject.com and J6 Patriot News. Uh, She also co-authored American Gulag Chronicles, Letters from Prison, where she's a board member. Daniel Goodwin, David Sumrall, and the team at StopHate.com have produced three January 6th documentaries, and I recommend them all to you. Writing History, which was released in 2021. Bloody Hill, which was released in 2022, and 1,000 Days of Terror. Now, the the trailer for 1,000 Days of Terror is available at 1000daysofterror.com. The full movie should be out soon. Uh, The other two are available at stophate.com. Daniel Goodwin, welcome to the Doc Washburn Show. How are you today? Thanks for having me on. Doing good. Appreciate that. Now, Every interview that I have seen, whether it was somebody like uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, Nick Searcy, um, some of the stuff that you guys have put out, I always learn new things about January 6th. But let's start with your motivation for going to Washington, D.C., at that pivotal time in our nation's history in the first place. What what were you thinking? Um, uh, what was your reason for going up there? Yeah, so my reason for going up there was not incredibly unique. You know, I wanted to stand for election integrity, stop the steal. I uh, wanted to support President Trump. He asked people to come and uh, support him. And so, you know, that's why I was there. I also wanted to, uh, if in case there was any Antifa activity, I want to be able to record that on video and definitely wanted to cover the size of the crowds because they always talk about how... Uh, you know, they don't want to really admit how many people show up to Trump rallies. So I got, uh, you know, lots of uh, good crowd shots that day. So I've heard a lot of people say that the plan was to go to the Trump rally and then maybe go get lunch, go back to the hotel, maybe head back home the next morning or even that evening. And they hadn't really thought about going to the Capitol until President Trump said, invited everyone to go over and make their voices heard peacefully. Um, Had it been your plan from the start to go to the Capitol, or when President Trump mentioned that, did you think, hey, that might be a good idea? Well, there's a little bit of nuance here. Um, I knew that there was a permanent event on Capitol grounds. I did not plan to go inside the building. No one except for Ray Epps planned to go inside the building that I know of. So, uh, yeah, I expected that uh, the police would be directing traffic to go to the stage and then the crowds would just stand and listen to uh, the speech through big speakers. 
So one of the things that I found out uh, when I interviewed independent journalist Steve Baker by January 6th, a little while back, he said, you know, something that came out in some of the, uh, the, the, the Proud Boys trials was that there was, there was an event scheduled for the grounds of the U.S. Capitol for January 6, 2021, that was officially sanctioned, you know, it was approved by the federal government, and it had been scheduled apparently weeks in advance of even the scheduling of the Trump rally over the ellipse itself. And that was kind of shocking to me, but he had the, you know, the, the official, I guess, uh, online banner, poster, whatever, about, hey, we're going to have loudspeakers and, and speakers from the steps of the U.S. Capitol all day long, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think most Americans have no idea that that was scheduled. And um, to me, that raises the question, okay, now, why are people being prosecuted for being on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol? And I understand that the bike racks and the uh, no trespassing or whatever the official verbiage was were all taken down before most of the people got there from the Trump rally. But why would there have been these barriers up in the first place if there was an officially sanctioned event scheduled? That's a great, yeah, that's a great, sorry. (laughs) That's a great point. Um, Definitely there were uh, actually not just one, but multiple permitted events planned in advance and they were on the grounds at various places. The one that I was going to go to was going to be on the east side on lot eight. And that was the Stop the Steal rally led by Ali Alexander. And there's multiple speakers to that one. But there's multiple events that were planned that day. For example, Simone Gold was going to be a speaker at one of them. And when she got there, she kind of similar to me, like didn't see a stage set up, didn't really know where to go. She just meandered into the building, did her speech in there on a megaphone and then left and you know, she thought that was that. And then, you know, later got arrested and all that. So it's, it's definitely uh, suspicious. And I would go as far to say it's like 100%. That's a setup. They did that on purpose. They had, uh, you know, five police there at the front of those first bike racks. And those very quickly got overwhelmed and removed. The police retreated. Um, you know, they fell back. That was their own decision. They could have reinforced that area and kept the crowds back. If they had had more people, Nancy Pelosi and Muriel Bowser, the left-wing D.C. mayor, had actually turned down the uh, National Guard support that Trump had recommended and um, approved. So it was definitely a setup. Yeah, well, I, I don't doubt that for a moment. Um, by the way, uh, one of the things I try to do, and I think some people might think it's crazy because apparently not everybody does, is, that, is actually listen to my guests. So you mentioned Ray Epps and, and we'll definitely get to him here in, in a few moments. I don't want you to think, well, yeah, I mentioned Ray Epps and there's no comeback on that. Trust me. I, I won't forget about Ray Epps because that's, that's a big deal. Dr. Simone gold, if I uh, recall correctly, was one of the America's frontline doctors who um, over the past few years has been trying to get a lot of truth out about the China virus, uh, about the dangerous vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Usually we think of that as one issue over here and then January 6th, another issue over here. 
Uh, but she is one of the people who, you know, uh, has been very, very active in, in both. Um, but yeah, it, multiple events scheduled for that day, fully approved by the U.S. government. I think there are going to be speakers, also music, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Steve Baker told me that he, I, I believe, talked to the, the guy who was at the time the chief of the Capitol Police who said that he wasn't even aware that there were events scheduled. No one had told him. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if you're going to, I don't know, is that the National Park Service? Who it is? But if, you, if you're going to say, yeah, we'll have some events. Um, Steve Baker said the D.C. police, Metro police, were very much aware that there were going to be thousands of people leaving the Trump rally and going to the Capitol but he's not sure who in the leadership of the actual Capitol Police were aware of this. Um, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that. It's very complicated. And um, they actually had a some sort of a task force put together joint team between the D.C. police and the Capitol Police and the Secret Service and various federal agencies like the FBI in advance. Uh, they all had intel gathered in advance, and uh, that is information that we have published on our website. So if you go to stophate.com slash J6 and click on intel, you'll see everything there listed with dates. You can see when it was and what info was known by who and when and where. So uh, yeah, the, all the specifics I don't have necessarily memorized, but it's it's out there and we've got it ready for people to view on our site. Very good. Very good. Um, so. Did you stay at the um, at the Trump rally until the the end of the speech and then head over to the Capitol? That's a good question. No. So um, I stayed for, you know, a, a little bit of it. And, uh, you know, I remember the BS chant that was going off. I was there for that. At some point I had wandered off because uh, I think the the speech um, was kind of getting a little boring to me because I had gone to several Trump's rallies before and he was just saying the same stuff. And I was expecting for him to be like reviewing the actual election fraud evidence for everyone to see. That would have been a better move in my opinion. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, so I was like, okay, well, let's just go. I'm just going to be ahead of the crowd and beat the people for the next one. But I really wasn't ahead by, by much or if any at all, because I got there very late. By the time I got into the building at 3.33, any violence that had happened there was already done. And I didn't even realize anything like that had happened. So all the fighting, all the shooting by the police, all the grenades by the police and the smoke and the spray, all that stuff, basically uh, that had already happened. What, there was more that happened later in other areas, but wh wherever I had walked, you know, I didn't see any of that. So I just walked straight up to the building and uh, I got there as that giant flag was arriving. I actually helped to uh, zip tie that to the uh, inauguration scaffolding. Someone just handed me some zip ties and, I was like, happened to be at that corner. So I went and tied that to the top there. And then I just meandered over to the building and there was a, a line of police standing there right next to the open door, people meandering in and out and they didn't do anything to stop anyone. So I figured you were allowed to go in. I walked in, officer told me to leave and I left. And so that was my whole uh, thing there. That was the part that they considered criminal was, uh, you know, being inside there for less than a minute. Uh, you know, I also talked on a megaphone and I was telling people, you know, you can go inside the 
we should probably go in there because the door's open and, you know, the judge really didn't like that, uh, that I didn't mention that aspect when I went on Tucker Carlson, but you know, I wasn't hiding that it's the video of that is all out there publicly. I've published it on my uh, site ever since after the sentencing. So one of the things about going on a program like a Tucker Carlson show is that, um, unlike what he's doing now, which is long form interviews, which are very interesting. Um, well, his Fox News Channel show was also very interesting. Uh, a lot of us who stopped watching Fox News after the 2020 election were drawn back in by Tucker. Uh, but he is keenly aware of the fact that he only has so many minutes during that hour. He has to take so many commercial breaks. He knows how long the commercial breaks are. Um, and if he says, okay, we've got five minutes we have seven minutes or whatever it is to interview uh, this gentleman, Daniel Goodwin, who was actually at the Capitol building. Um, he has to get everything that's going to be said into that prearranged number of minutes. And I'm not sure if judges are really aware of that, but <laughs> you can't talk about everything you want to talk about when you go on a Fox news channel show or, or frankly on, on any news channel and, 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 and also in Tucker's defense, he can't ask you everything that he would like to ask you because he only has so many minutes. So I don't know if there's any point in your defense attorney saying, well, judge uh, for what it's worth, my client would have mentioned that, but Tucker was only able to give him X amount of minutes. And so, yeah. And actually my uh, defense attorney did bring it up and mention that. So, you know, it's, it's hard though for anything to get through the, the guys basically already made his decision before he got into there. Although he did take an extra day to think about it, but uh, you know, that's, that's my opinion. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't even say that opinion, but I, I feel like that I was not given a fair sentence. Um, uh, I think uh, no jail time. I should have gotten time served, you know, because it's all on video. Everyone can go watch the video for themselves and just tell me, what does that look like? I walked in there, I walked out, and that was it. Yeah. And let the record reflect that um, Mr. Goodwin does have a pending appeal, but we're not going to, uh, on the advice of his counsel, discuss the nature uh, of, of that appeal. Also, in case this is the first time you've ever watched anything about January 6th, but Mr. Goodwin uh, mentioned the police at the Capitol shooting grenades. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're talking about flashbang grenades. um, A couple of which apparently hit a couple of uh, Trump supporters, um, Benjamin Phillips, Kevin Greeson, who then died from heart attacks. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. That I'm in. happy. I'm happy to elaborate on that. So uh, people do kind of quibble over the terminology. Are they flashbangs? I don't know. They're a circle that is thrown by a person or launched out of a projectile thing and they explode. And sometimes there's smoke. Sometimes it's like, um, you know, what do you call it? Like almost shrapnel. That's probably not the right term either, but you know, they explode. They're explosives. You could at least call them that. I think they're grenades. I think they're flashbangs. 
Um, and so those were both thrown and launched. So, you know, they'll have the thing and they'll throw it, they'll pull the pin and throw it just like a grenade. So, I mean, I'm sure it's not the exact same thing the military uses. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's deadly. I mean, it definitely killed Kevin Greeson. Um, they say he had a heart attack. Um, if nothing else, the heart attack was caused by the grenade that blew up right next to him. Another guy had a grenade blow up right next to his face at face level. And, you know, he's, you can see him talking about it, uh, maybe 20 minutes later on another video saying, you know, I got, I can't hear out of this ear. I'm like, can't see out of this eye. I'm like, got probably second degree burns. So anyways, that, that was, uh, they call it less lethal force, but really it's obviously lethal force if it kills someone. And, uh, as far as Benjamin Phillips, we believed him to have also been a victim of those grenades, but we actually found uh, better timing on that. And actually he fell over dead before the grenades started going off. So we still don't know the exact cause of his death, but uh, it could have just been a heart attack. But the other guy that they said a heart attack was a lie. And they also said that Roseanne Boylan was um, dying because of a drug overdose. But we saw the video of an officer beating her to death with a baton. So we can't just take the word for the medical examiners on why they died. We have to go into the video evidence and figure out why the, the true reason is. So, uh, yeah, I, I've seen him. I've seen the video of him dying, uh, including sensitive video that I'm not allowed to publish. Um, but I haven't seen the video of what happened with him immediately before that because it was off camera. So if anyone has footage around that time, uh, you know, definitely send that in to stophate.com. Sensitive video that I'm not allowed to publish. You know, I'm old enough to remember a promise made by now former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, that he was going to release all of the thousands of hours of um, closed circuit television video from January 5th and 6th at the U.S. Capitol. Um, And obviously, if there is sensitive video that you're not allowed to publish. Well, obviously, I mean, this was one of the, uh, one of the promises that he did not keep and now he's no longer speaker. Um, but Daniel Goodwin, there's so many things that Americans don't know, even Americans who do know that no police were killed on January 6, 2021 when I see them talking about this on social media, they tend to say there was only one person killed that day and her name was Ashley Babbitt. And yet they don't know about Kevin Greeson or Benjamin Phillips or Roseanne Boyland. Uh, is it frustrating for you that even people who believe the whole thing was a setup even people who are concerned about the way January 6th uh, defendants are being treated, a lot of them don't even have any idea that more than one person died that day. It's very frustrating, you know, and we put out this first movie, Writing History, in June of 2021. So we knew very soon after that there were four people, and we showed on video three of them, and one of them, uh, the fourth one, we thought might have been, uh, Benjamin Phillips was actually Derek Vargo who got pushed off of a uh, two stories and we thought maybe he died. He got carried off on a, a, a bike rack as a makeshift stretcher. He was severely injured. We found out later he didn't die. So, uh, so then we, we later found the, the footage of Benjamin Phillips, 
um, again, sensitive, which we can't share now. Kevin McCarthy could have released it with the snap of a finger and he never did. So he's a traitor and Marjorie Taylor Greene for supporting that. I would also consider a traitor. I know that people don't like to hear that because they think she's going to be one of their heroes. But, you know, I feel the same way about Matt Gates because uh, he commented on the Oath Keepers trial that he wasn't particularly aggrieved by their sentences, which were really long and severe sentences. And he says that he thinks they got a fair trial from a jury of their peers, which is absolutely not true. If anyone followed even uh, the most remotely closely on that case, they would realize that. So that's very disappointing to have your people who are supposed to be your closest, closest allies in the ring there just completely betray you. Um, the only one who I'm not disappointed in so far in Congress uh, is Gosar from Arizona. Um, but yeah, it's people don't realize about the police brutality. Even the very first thing that actually, besides that first gate that went down where Ray Epps was, um, and that was a very minimal scene. He he whispered into Sam Sell's ear. They knocked the gate down. A one police officer fell over, and immediately Sam Sell reaches over and helps her up, which you can see if you look from a different angle than the, the most popular angle. But uh, when they get up to the front line, everyone's standing around peacefully, even after that, for a long time. And then at 107, the snipers just shoot into the crowd when they're being completely peaceful. So this guy gets a expired marking round into his cheek. Blood pours everywhere. Joshua Matthew Black. And guess who's in prison right now? You think it's the sniper or the victim? Yeah. Well, since you mentioned Derek Vargo, a name that probably 99.99% of Americans had never heard. Is he the gentleman that was pushed off a ledge at least two stories high by a police officer and it's on video? Yes, by Officer Bryant Williams. People should also know that name. Oh, absolutely. Our interview with Daniel Goodwin continues in just a moment. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase a vehicle online if you have any questions. One of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental U.S., redriverauto.com. You'll be glad you did. I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. 
When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life and migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away and the migraines went away for good. Whatever malady you're suffering from, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped so many people I know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. Mike Lindell says because of your amazing support for MyPillow 2.0, he's expanded MyPillow's USA Manufacturing and Jobs. So he's clearing out his percale bed sheets by giving them to you at closeout prices. King size percale bed sheets, only $39 a set. Queen size, only $35 a set. Full size, $29. And twin size, just $25. Use promo code DWS to take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime offer. Right now, Mike's biggest My Slippers closeout sale ever is on. Get Mike's all-season My Slippers and Sandals at clearance prices. Mike's all-season moccasin slippers are just $25. Mike's My Slipper Sandals are just $19.50. They're both made with Mike's patented impact gel that absorbs and relieves pressure so you can comfortably wear them all day long. Just use promo code DWS for huge discounts. Remember, DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com, quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. Now, here's more of our conversation with Daniel Goodwin. Uh, Let me say something about McCarthy also. So, over a month ago, uh, well, I used to do talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, A friend of mine still does talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas. His name is Stephen Finnegan. And over a month ago, the U.S. representative who represents central Arkansas, Little Rock in the district, French Hill, was able to get Stephen Finnegan an interview with then-speaker Kevin McCarthy, who was in town to give a speech for the Republican Party of Arkansas. And to his great credit, Stephen Finnegan, brought up with then-speaker Kevin McCarthy and U.S. Representative for the 2nd District of Arkansas, French Hill, the case of Ryan Samsell and how he is being mistreated in prison. If I understand correctly, they make the guy poop in a bucket in, in, in his prison cell. And McCarthy and French Hill both expressed concern and and outrage if somebody's being treated like that in a U.S. federal prison. And over a month later, nothing. No change. So I I didn't know if you wanted to to address the case of Ryan Samsell, who, who, again, for the record, is the young man who Ray Epps was whispering in his ear right before the bike racks went down and people started charging up the hill to the Capitol building. Yeah. I mean, it's a complicated situation. Um, when, when uh, Ray Epps was 
I guess he actually was yelling rather than whispering into his ear, but there was a lot of commotion. Whatever he said, you can't really make it out on camera. Um, Apparently, he said something like, not yet, wait for my people or something like that, which is already suspicious enough as it is. But, um, you know, definitely uh, Ryan has been mistreated and we can only speculate why, but he got his skull cracked in. He got his eye out of his socket. That was what the reporting was. Um, beat by these guards. So they're, they're definitely being mistreated in the jails. The specific incidents about the, the bucket and all that, that reporting uh, that Gateway Pundit put out has been disputed by some other people. And so I'm not sure if that's true. It, it might be, it might not. Um, but even if that's not true, he's definitely being mistreated along with the other January Sixers in DC, Gulag, and the other surrounding uh, prisons. Um, and, and, and it could be the case that he was just trying to bring awareness to how bad the treatment was. Maybe he over dramatized it. I don't know, but regardless, we definitely need to be standing up for these Patriots. Even if he, you know, did things wrong that day. Um, it's not two and a half years wrong and he's, he's still in there. As far as I know, he hasn't had a trial yet. So these people just being held pre-trial, it's ridiculous. It's un-American. It, you're supposed to only be able to hold them pre-trial if they're a risk. Uh, flight risk, like they're not going to show up to their court or if they're going to harm themselves or others. And it's clearly not the case with any of these people. And there's like a hundred of them locked up, about half of those in the DC gulag. Yeah. You know, one of the problems, I think, for those of us who are trying to pay attention is that if we see reporting that tends to confirm what we believe reporting about an event or an issue that would not at all surprise us. Sometimes we forget to say, okay, do you, do you have some evidence for that? Do, do you have a link? Do you have a source? Do you have a whatever? And people get really frustrated because they're like, wait, you're doubting this happened. I'm like, Oh, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. But I'm just I'm just wondering if we can kind of run this to ground and find out if it actually did happen. Do, do you see a lot of that? Yeah. And, and with the with that specific one, I haven't really commented on it, but there yeah. are pictures. But the whole thing is the pictures could just be staged. I mean, it's like 50 50. But I think the point is, even if it's staged, it's trying to raise awareness for the abuse there. And there's definitely abuse there. So, oh, yeah, that's a bigger issue. Yeah, the, the, that is the bigger issue. There's definitely abuse. I, I was just talking to an even bigger issue than that in, in general when when things are put out there. Um, not even necessarily January 6th, but in general, yeah. you put it out there and people go, I knew it! I knew it! And you're like, well, now wait, are, are you sure that it's true though? What are you, why are you doubting this? Oh, no, I just, I just want, if it's true, let me get the word out, but I'm just looking for, you know, any evidence. Yeah. And, and I will say something about that um, because there's a lot of reporting about January Sixers that's very sloppy and there's a lot that's very um, meticulous. And I think it's an error on both sides, but I think it's almost a necessary one. So for example, you'll get um, very well vetted information coming from Epic Times, but they don't do as many stories as Gateway Pundit. So Gateway Pundit gets the word out and that helps us. They help get these fundraisers out and help people get donations to help for their legal fees and stuff like that. But as a result of them pumping out so many articles, they're not as well vetted. So sometimes you'll have some things that are just not as accurate. 
Um, but you know, I definitely have to say, um, you know, Gateway Pundit and Epic Times, they've been very good supporters of January Sixers trying to get the truth out. And I think it's a spectrum, you know, it's very important for us to have kind of an open source thing about news and, and, and not just wait until you have the most perfect news, but just put out what you got and say, I, this, I'm trying to get to the truth just like you are. So this is the closest I've got. And if someone has better info, let's get closer to it as we go forward. And uh, that's really helped um, us. Like, you know, we put that first documentary out. We said, these are the four people. One of them was wrong, but then we put our next one out and we got that one corrected. And now we're putting out a new one. We've got way more footage now than we did back then. And we're just getting closer and closer to the truth. You know, we had video of this guy with a hole in his cheek, but we didn't know how it happened. We were like, did a grenade go off and some shrapnel went into his cheek? Well, now we saw the video of him of him being shot and we see who's shooting him. So we're, we're getting closer and closer to who did what, when and why. Okay, so January 6, 2021, you spend less than 40 seconds in the U.S. Capitol building. You got video on your website, stop8.com, from kind of a bird's eye view of you wandering into the Capitol, wandering back out. Police are holding the door open. Uh, when did it occur to you that you might have legal difficulties for walking into the Capitol for less than 40 seconds? When my uh, criminal complaint was filed against me, the news, like mainstream journalists started calling and uh, that's when I knew. Then the FBI called me and uh, I told them that they could talk to my lawyer. Then they, uh, they arranged for me to have uh, a, an opportunity to self-surrender. And uh, in advance of that, they came and did a Roger Stone style uh, SWAT team raid led by the counterterrorism task force led by the FBI and came and traumatized my whole family at my house uh, pre-dawn raid. Like as if I'm a terrorist. Yeah. So what, um, if you don't mind me asking, what, what state do you live in? I'm living in Texas now because I was in San Francisco at the time living there. But uh, I stopped in Texas to visit my family. And that's where I was when they did the raid. So when they let me out of jail 21 days later, they said, you know, sign this document, make one of your parents your legal custodian. And that's where you're going to be until the trial. Um, And so then after my sentencing, I've got a year of supervised release. And uh, I have to get permission to leave the Eastern District of Texas at all. And uh, so... Uh, in order to move, I also have to get permission. So I have to line up my ducks in a row and uh, I'll be heading back out there as soon as I can. Oh, back to San Francisco. Yep. Um, yeah, not DC. <laughs> no, I, swamp. Mr. Goodwin, I, I don't know how to, how to bring this up, but um, your desire to leave the Eastern district of Texas and go back to San Francisco might have some people questioning your sanity. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. But, you know, um, the decision for Jonah to go to Nineveh uh, probably had some of his friends questioning his sanity, but he tried to go to Tarshish and then got swallowed by a fish. So I'm going to try and follow where God puts me, uh, regardless if it's ran by insane uh, globalist Democrats. Yeah. Uh, let the record reflect that uh, the host attempted a feeble attempt at humor. <laughs> okay. So, um, 
So how how much time had elapsed between January 6th and the criminal complaint being lodged against you and you apparently finding out about it from mainstream media reporters calling you? Uh, It was the same month. Okay. So before or after the inauguration of Biden? It was before. The complaint was before and the arrest was after. I know because, I mean, there have been people saying, well, why didn't President Trump, um, you know, pardon January 6th people? And there are other people saying, well, no, nobody was charged before he left office. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was. Some people were actually. Uh, yeah. he And frankly, he could have done a blanket pardon. Um, we didn't have to have been charged yet for him to pardon us. So he could have done that, too. And he should have. So, you know. I hope he does when he gets back in, if he does, which hopefully he will. But uh, he definitely should have already done it. So it's a low bar for him, for us to be pleased for him to pardon us after the fact. Like, he should have already done it. Yeah. I mean, and, and the only other serious candidate in the, uh, the race for the presidential nomination, Ron DeSantis, has uh, publicly announced that he will be look, looking at things on a case-by-case basis should he somehow, by the grace of God, get into office. So. Uh, yeah, you would think that Trump would would definitely have uh, an incentive. I mean, because let's face it. I mean, other than the federal agents in the crowd, and that's a whole nother uh, aspect to the story. Um, people were there to try to support not only him, but the idea that we need to make sure that our elections are uh, are fair. Um. So let's, uh, before we get to Ray Epps and, the, and the, the, the federal agents in the crowd, how were you treated when you did your 60 days in prison? So um, my first 21 days in jail were, um, you know, pre-trial. Uh, they put me in what they called COVID quarantine lockdown. So that was basically solitary confinement. I would say that was torture. And also, you know, I just got arrested for doing nothing wrong after uh, communist takeover. And I thought I might never get out. So that was terrible, not not knowing if and when I would get out. Serving the 60, the rest of the 60 days, because I got those 21 times served, the rest of the 20, uh, the, the 60 days, uh, in low security federal Bastrop prison in near Austin, Texas was not as bad. I was treated well by the, the guards and the inmates alike because they're basically all Trump supporters and knew I shouldn't be there. Um, I was the only one there with a misdemeanor. Everyone else there was on, uh, felony, uh, convictions. And so, um, I would say um, I would rate that facility zero out of five stars. Uh, it was not great. It was very boring. And, um, you know, the food was more bland than I could have ever imagined. But uh, I wasn't actually mistreated how some of these other people are being very mistreated in other facilities. So at least that's good. Um, and then the warden's probably the only one there who, uh, you know, maybe isn't a Trump supporter or doesn't believe the true narrative about January 6th. And I didn't have any interaction with him. So. so you're thankful that you did not serve your time in a federal prison in the D.C. area? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people complain about the D.C. gulag. Th- those people aren't serving sentences. They're there pre-trial. So that's even worse. But the, uh, the federal prisons in that area, 
um, I don't know where they are, Virginia, I don't know, from Pennsylvania or Maryland, maybe all those states are maybe two or three. Um, people are not being treated well there either. Um, and and, and you, you'd have to ask case by case which ones are better. Um, some people are more familiar with that stuff. Like my mom uh, works on the Patriot Mail Project, patriotmailproject.com, I think. And they actually have a list of the inmates and people can write them letters. So, you know, people are reporting back, you know, this one's really bad. This one's really good. But then another thing they do, they call diesel therapy, which is where they move people around from prison to prison. You know, especially pre-trial, it's really, really horrible. And and certainly Ryan Samsell is not the only January 6th um, defendant, uh, detainee, that there have been accusations about him being literally beaten by prison guards. No, yeah, there's others too have been sprayed. Um, other ways they've been mistreated, finding things in their food that I won't mention. Uh, you know, the other ways they've been mistreated that were bad. Um, the worst part for me in prison was they had me for some reason marked down as a terrorist as all the other J6ers. And so that uh, affected um, our communications, like any letters coming in, any um, emails coming in, they put extra scrutiny on. So it'll take a lot longer for you to get your stuff. Of course, they're reading through everyone's, but it's just like, as if you were in a gang, they, they put extra time and scrutiny into yours. So, um, you know, that's, to me, that's not due process because my judge didn't rule that I should have a terrorism sentencing enhancement. So for the BOP, the Bureau of Prisons to consider me a terrorist, I think that's just completely unconstitutional. Uh, no question. No question. So, um, does it put you in a difficult position that you're deeply disappointed with Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and you explained why when they are two of only a handful of members of Congress, there are only about five or six who tried to call attention to the plight of the January 6th detainees in, in the first place. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was all for it when they were supporting us, but when they show that they're just, they were just doing that for viral clips online, it's like, that's not great. Like I'm not impressed. If you're not actually for us, if you're not working for our, in our, in our favor, for getting that footage out the exculpatory evidence for, you know, talking about that, our sentences are fair. If we're talking about that, our trials are fair. If we don't have fair trials and fair sentences, you know, people in Congress need to be talking about it. This is happening in DC, you know, and you're, you're there in DC. And frankly, they should be making laws. They should be legislating that these ridiculous charges that I've been given, like 15, 12 obstruction of an official proceeding, which is really a uh, Enron era law against paper shredding. When I didn't shred any papers, the same charge they give to Trump, they should be going in there and writing a law that says retroactively, this law may not be used against political protesters. You know, and then boom, that would take care of 400 people who have a felony charge who are, you know, being pressured into taking plea deals and things like that. That would help. Or these people in Congress could also um, impeach uh, Merrick Garland, you know, get someone in charge of the DOJ who's actually going to prosecute the police brutality instead of prosecute the peaceful pro uh, protesters. There's a lot of things that these people in Congress could do, but instead they do a lot of political theater. They love getting their viral clips, but they don't actually love getting anything done. 
And when it comes to the speaker, I'm glad Kevin McCarthy is not the speaker anymore because he betrayed us. He didn't go for his promise. But who are we going to replace him with? I mean, they're probably going to be someone else just as corrupt. And like I said, Paul Gosar is the only one that I haven't been betrayed by in Congress so far. And um, of course, you don't have to be in Congress to be the speaker. It'd be great if it was Trump. But frankly, why do we need a speaker? What are they going to do? They're going to get these. When's the last time a good law was passed in Congress? When's the last time we had a good budget? If we don't have a speaker, that means they're not going to send more money to Ukraine. That means they're not going to do some kind of stupid law to try and take our guns and our speech, you know? So frankly, until we get a good set of people in Congress, I'd be happy with there being no speaker. Yeah, uh, it, it looks like there is a move to replace McCarthy pretty quickly. And the the two main names that have been mentioned, uh, Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise, um, both say a lot of the right things a lot of the time, but I don't think either one has expressed much concern about the, uh, the January 6th political prisoners. Yeah, I would say Jim Jordan is probably number one after, um, you know, the top five that we talk about, um, Gosar, Gates and Green and a couple others, um, because he's got that weaponization committee. The only problem is they build it like it was going to be the answer to the January 6th committee, but it really isn't. It's like maybe one fifth of their stuff or even less is focused on January 6th abuses. And then the rest of it is just other FBI abuses, which sure, those need to be looked into, but they haven't gotten close to getting into the corruption from January 6th. So I'm not really very pleased with that uh, weaponization committee's progress. I think they need to do much more. And, uh, you know, if they start putting points on the board, I'll be more than happy to go around telling everyone how pleased I am with them. But as of right now, I'm not. And speaking of McCarthy, I mean, when he was asked months ago about the shooting of Ashley Babbitt, and he said, A, I have not watched the video, but B, I'm sure that the police officer was just doing his job. To me, that, that's, that's, that's impeachable right there. Yeah, that's I mean, sickening. To me, that's a good enough reason to say, okay, you're not a leader. You don't belong, to, you, know, you know, you shouldn't be speaker. I mean, just just based on that, because I have watched the video and it looks like murder to me. Definitely murder. And I am aware that Lieutenant Michael Byrd refused to even cooperate with the internal affairs uh, investigation of the shooting. I did watch the softball interview, Lester Holt, NBC Evening news or nightly news, whatever they call it, did with Michael Byrd. I pay attention to body language and tone of voice. And Lester Holt, again, softball interview. Yeah. Michael Byrd should have felt completely at ease in that interview with Lester Holt. And he was nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. He was sweating bullets. Um, he gives every indication, not just from the video, but from the way he's acted since then as a man with a guilty conscience and for Kevin McCarthy to basically say, yeah, I don't care. 
Um, well, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And he shouldn't even have had the job at that time because he was very shown to be irresponsible with his firearms, leaving them unguarded in the bathroom and just walks off without it. You know, this guy's careless and he just goes in and shoots someone. There's a use of force continuum. He did not follow it. It's very clear in the video. Yeah. And uh, he lies about it. He says, you know, I warned or whatever. He didn't warn. It's very obvious. You know, she was no harm. That's very obvious. So it's it's definitely cold-blooded murder. He needs to be investigated and charged for that. They actually said that their internal investigation found that the use of force on January 6th from all the police was objectively reasonable. Well, I don't think it was objectively reasonable for Lila Morris to be swinging that baton and murdering, beating to death Roseanne Boylan, for Michael Byrd to shoot Ashley basically in the face, in the neck or whatever, and just kill her on the spot. And then they carry her down those stairs upside down. I don't know if that's the right protocol. I don't think it was uh, objectively reasonable for Bryant Williams to shove Derek Vargo off that wall or for the sniper to shoot Josh Black in the face unprovoked or for people like Edwards to be throwing grenades or launching grenades into the peaceful area of the crowd that wasn't even up near the police line, much less wasn't fighting with the police line. It's just completely and obviously not objectively reasonable use of force it's a it's objectively lethal murder use of force and these people need to be investigated and prosecuted and, and held a, civilly liable too and fired yeah. yes and held civilly liable and there is no statute of limitations on murder the conclusion of our interview with daniel goodwin is coming right up you know the great ronald reagan once said inflation is as violent as a mugger as frightening as an armed robber and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. They don't tend to depreciate over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, Precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. Andrew Sorcini with Beverly Hills Precious Metals has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Beverly Hills Precious Metals brings precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Mike Flynn told us about them, and they are our gold buyer of choice. To find out more, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Make sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn silver coin. And tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Beverly Hills Precious Metals helps folks protect their finances, wealth, and investments. If you want to drop your big liberal cell phone carrier, Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, is a perfect solution. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. And switching to Patriot Mobile usually only takes 15 to 20 minutes. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you shift your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom 
freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Yeah, let me ask you something. Why continue shopping big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now you can get around this crazy inflation by shopping factory direct at a family-owned made-in-America manufacturer. Americans are walking away from the big box conglomerates and deciding to buy only USA. Join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. These products include fresh American-raised beef, raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone. This beef is known as never ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Email us at buyonlyusa at proton.me and I'll have one of my guys contact you. Buyonlyusa at proton.me. And now the conclusion of our interview with Daniel Goodwin. Let's talk about Ray Epps. Let the record reflect that Ray Epps is on video, not just on January 6th, but the evening of January 5th, saying we got to go into the Capitol and people around him yelling no. And him saying before he even said it, this is probably going to get me arrested, so I shouldn't say it. Well, don't say it then. No, we got to go into the Capitol. That's where our problems lie. And people start yelling, fed, 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 fed. And he looks disappointed that they're yelling that at him. And then the next day, he is directing people uh, from the side of the Trump rally to go to the Capitol. Um, he uh, texted his nephew that day saying, I orchestrated the event, talking about people getting into the Capitol. And yet, he seems to be the only January Sixer that the mainstream media just loves and have uh, provided cover for for over two and a half years. He was initially on the FBI Washington, D.C. field office poster of January 6th folks. They're trying to figure out who these folks were. And so many people contacted them saying, oh, uh, yeah, I recognize this guy, Ray Epps, Phoenix, Arizona. Although they eventually took him off. And yet that poster is still the first thing you see when you go to the FBI Washington, D.C. field office account on Twitter. Finally, over two and a half years after January 6, 2021, he's been charged with a misdemeanor. Um, 60 Minutes did an interview with Ray Epps that, by comparison, makes Lester Holt's interview with Lieutenant Michael Byrd about the shooting of Ashley Babbitt look like a tough, hard-hitting interview. 60 minutes, it's like the guy who did the interview learned how to parse words from Bill Clinton. And I did a whole episode on on that. But uh, before I ask 
For your thoughts and re-ups, I'll just mention this. The mainstream media trains us, well, trains their target audience who still watches them to trust them. So if they're not asking any tough questions of one of their interview subjects, we're supposed to just go along with a party line. So they said Ray Epps and his wife had to sell their four-acre ranch with their home on it outside Phoenix, Arizona, and they were living in a, in a nice RV somewhere up in the mountains. I did a little research. There's no evidence whatsoever that Ray Epps and his wife ever sold their home in central Arizona. None. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I know that we could have uh, an investigative journalist follow up on that. Um, Kyle um, from Arizona, I forget his last name. Uh, he uh, went uh, over there to check it out once before they had moved. So might have him check up on that. But uh, yeah, the thing about Ray Epps, a lot of people, when they talk about the feds on January 6th, they want to talk about Ray Epps, which to me, he is one of the most suspicious. I would say one of the top five most suspicious characters that day. And especially because of the treatment he gets from mainstream media and the January 6th committee. But I'll still say we don't have proof that he's a fed. He just really looks like a fed. And we do have proof of several other feds. So I would point people first to that when we talk about the feds. So if you go to stophate.com slash J6 and click on secret agents, we can look through the list there. We've got the names of a fed or multiple feds, you know, in the proud boys, in the oath keepers, uh, in the three percenters, maybe, but definitely we've got the undercover Metro police. We've got the undercover Capitol police. We've got ATF there. We've got even the BOP there. Um, we've got, you know, the FBI secret service. A lot of people were there. Um, and for example, the undercover, I want to say either Metro or Capitol police were there. Um, they were right behind Ashley Babbitt going up those stairs. They were saying somebody was going to get shot. They were going to say, they were saying, move forward. They were calling it our house. And if that's not entrapment, then I don't know what is. So the feds were there. They were provoking and they were entrapping, but not only that, they were embedded in these groups in advance and, um, trying to get even more people uh, to recruit um, as informants like Jeremy Brown. They tried to get him to be an informant for the Oath Keepers. And he recorded the whole thing and told him no, posted that online for everyone to see. And then they came and arrested him afterwards. And so he's in prison to this day. And they also planted grenades on his uh, property and then charged and convicted him on that. So he's convicted on that serving time for that and still waiting his DC trial for January 6th of which he didn't even go in the building. So it's really ridiculous what these people are doing, but the, the amount of feds that day is just astounding. We don't even know all of them, but we know a lot of them. So, you know, it's definitely entrapment. Um, and yeah, people need to check out that list of stories we have there on stop hate about the various feds. Absolutely. I think it was former, Capitol Hill Police Chief Stephen Sund, who was relieved of his duties the day after January 6th, who said there were a lot of federal agents in that crowd, and we don't know how many. Um, but CBS 60 Minutes reassures us the FBI said, no, no, 
Ray Epps is not one of our guys. And I'm like, well, you know, that doesn't mean he's not a Fed. Just if it is, if the FBI is telling us the truth, and of course they're allowed to lie to us, but the FBI is telling the truth. No, 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 no. Ray Epps is not one of our guys. I'm like, well, there's CIA, there's NSA, there's DIA. There are yeah, there's President 16 Trump. other intelligence agencies yeah. that he could have been a part of. And even if he's not any of those, he could have been an asset of any of them. He could have been an informant for any of them as a confidential human source. So we don't know. He could have been any of those things and they could still be telling the truth. So so let, let's talk about some of these other guys, because um, there's this guy they call the scaffold commander. He's suspicious, too. The guy who's on the scaffold with a bullhorn telling people, get in there, get in there, get in there. And I double checked the FBI's initial most wanted 20 that Ray Epps was on. They're not asking anybody to identify the guy with the actual bullhorn. I mean, is Ray Epps sketchy and suspicious? And oh, sure. Well, what about a guy? And I was telling my wife about this. Apparently, they had this scaffold up um, to the side of the plaza that leads up to the Capitol steps because 14 days later, there's going to be an inauguration. And the scaffold was theoretically there to get ready for the inauguration two weeks later. Well, this guy gets way up in the scaffold, two or three stories high with a bullhorn and telling people, you got to get in there. Go, go, go. But nobody's trying to figure out how who this guy is. As those of us who follow things are kind of fixated on, on Ray Epps. And I've even seen uh, on a website I've never heard of before or since. But I can send it to you offline. Somebody who thinks he figured out who it is. Yeah. Red Voice Media, um, I think Stu Peters is a part of them. They put out a, a piece saying they think he might be one of these uh, left-wing uh, radio or podcast type guys. He looks a lot like him. Could be him. Not sure. Um, but yes, uh, it's, it's kind of a misnomer. Uh, it's not actually the scaffolding he's on. It's the media tower he's on. The, uh, it's in the middle there. The scaffolding's okay. on the left and the right. Okay. It's even higher. But yeah, he said he's telling everyone move forward and he says it a lot. But even before that, he's right at the front near that gate before it's even opened. So this guy, he's he's definitely an agitator. He's definitely inciting. Um, but apparently that's not uh, you know, as big of a crime as meandering into an open door. So they want to go after people like me rather than go after people like that. But there's some other people that are suspicious. Um, I believe uh there's at least two other people who I think were on the list and got removed. One of them is Luke Robinson. He's seen on video with an earpiece and with a weapon. So um, most people didn't have a firearm there that day. Um, so it's weird that they take him off the list and they have never um, actually went and gone after him. So that's, that's another one. Um, I think Megan paradise is the name of another who, um, was you know telling people and basically inciting with a megaphone. Um, I think she was removed from the list too. But there's there's other people like that that are very suspicious. To me, the most suspicious person is a guy with a hashtag red on red glasses. And uh, we we did a full compilation of his activities before even the people get to the Capitol. He was physically assaulting a journalist. When they got to the area, 
He's actually the first one to break the first window with a two by four. That's before Dominic Pozzola, who had just joined the Proud Boys, bashed through one of those windows with a um, police shield that he got that he was using to protect himself from the gunfire of snipers. Um, so Red on Red was the first guy to break the first window and they still haven't found him. He was also in the hallway where Ashley Babbitt got shot. And it looks like he actually lifts her off the ground and pushes her through that window right as she's uh, getting shot. Then he just turns around and goes the other way. So why is this guy not talked about, not identified, not named uh, when, you know, we want to talk about all these other people. That's what I want to know. Yeah. Well, another thing I want to know is there is a long tradition of peaceful and sometimes not so peaceful protests, um, civil disobedience, Inside the U.S. Capitol building, when Congress is trying to do something that certain groups of people don't want them to do. Um, I remember, I, th- I think it was during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, when a couple of um, radical leftist protesters actually got on the elevator with uh Jeff Flake from Arizona, and we're just giving him all kinds of grief. And I'm looking at this going, now, wait a minute, aren't they obstructing him trying to go to official an official proceeding? Why is it that the president set by indicting over a thousand people on January 6, 2021 activities uh, a significant number of whom didn't even go in the Capitol building. Why isn't that a precedent for indicting, oh, I don't know, a congressman who pulled a fire alarm the other day? Yeah, that's a great example. And also uh, Stephen Colbert's videography team. Um, you know, there's plenty of examples. But uh, even before that, you know, there were other incidents. Uh, the Sunrise Group with AOC they do this kind of thing all the time and they never get in trouble. My friend, Laura Loomer actually uh, went to a congressional hearing about big tech and she was, you know, kind of heckling in the crowd and, you know, warning them and saying, you know, they're going to use this big tech censorship eventually against Donald Trump and it's election interference. And she's warning everyone. And, you know, one of the Congress persons starts to auction her off like he's an auctioneer, which I think he was in a former career. Um, so they come and they carry off in handcuffs, I'm sure, or maybe not, but they at least escorted her out the building. She never got charged for that. So, and she's on our side, of course, but people on the left, they do even worse than that and they never get charged. But then all of a sudden on January 6th, it's the biggest crime in the world. I mean, it's because this whole thing was orchestrated. It's a setup and they wanted to use it to chill first amendment protected freedom of speech to make people feel like they can't go to a protest. They can't make their voices heard. They cannot um, stand up against a rigged election. They can't stand up for election integrity, for freedom of speech, for our right to bear arms or anything like that. Or they'll just be hunted down like terrorists. They'll have a baseball card uh, made for them by the FBI and they'll be on their most wanted list and they'll come and track them down like they were a member of Al Qaeda. You know, you can't go to a school board meeting. Yeah. You mentioned AOC and something called the Sunrise Group. Was that when they did the sit in? In Nancy Pelosi's office? 
Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to look specifically. Um, you know, I read it one time, but I just know so many different incidents. I sometimes mix them up, but I remember that name being that that's probably the same incident. Well, we, we all do, but I do remember when AOC had not been in office for too long. She was part of a sit in in Nancy Pelosi's office. Mm -hmm. Arrests. Well, uh, uh, pardon me. Pardon me. People may have been arrested, but certainly no big federal trials, jail, anything like that. Um, They may or may not even get charges and then the charges get dropped pretty soon. Right. Exactly. And then they actually. okay. so here's something that happens. Like when Trump has his inauguration and all these rioters like Antifa are like doing lighting things on fire and all kinds of stuff. Well, those protesters get rounded up and arrested and charged and then they drop all the charges. And then they the city of D.C. pays them out like millions of dollars because they're like traumatized from being arrested. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But at some point. You know, since you did have a Republican president at the time, I get D.C., you know, trying to uh, pull the rug out from under him and everything, which they did on a regular basis. But at some point, doesn't the Republican president's DOJ have the responsibility for not dropping charges? To me, there should be federal charges if you are trying to disrupt an inauguration. There should be federal charges if you are attacking the very White House in 2020 and injuring 50 Secret Service agents. There should be federal charges if in Portland, Oregon, you you are attacking and trying to burn a federal courthouse uh, night after night after night. Uh, I, I get it that a lot of the um, the crimes were, you know, state or local charges. I get it. But when, when you're dealing with stuff like, like the White House or a federal courthouse, um, it, it grieves me that there, there weren't more federal charges. Um, you know, especially since, you know, I, I, I disagree that the DOJ should be independent of, of the president because the president is the top law enforcement officer of the, uh, of the country. I, I hadn't planned on bringing that up. I don't know if you want to comment on that, but, um, in retrospect, you know, we, we all make mistakes, but in retrospect, uh, yeah, I wish some things had been ha- handled differently. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Trump should have had been able to direct them to do more on that, but you know, definitely it's being weaponized right now against us. And it seems top down, like it's coming from Biden or Kamala or Obama, maybe from his secret mansion in DC where he has all these guests over all the time. I mean, definitely Obama is more of a puppet at this point, but this stuff that's it's just being weaponized, you know, and really that is an accurate name that they chose for that committee, the weaponization committee, because they're definitely weaponizing the FBI against us and a couple other agencies as well, the DOJ in general. Um, And it's definitely political. It's so obvious that it's political and that just shouldn't be allowed. It's un-American. I feel like we are not in America anymore. There's been a communist takeover and we need to get America back. Yeah. Well, Obama may be a puppet, but he's not nearly as much of a puppet as dementia Joe Biden. No, that's what I meant. Yeah, I meant I meant Biden's the puppet. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Obama's also a puppet. Biden's the most of a puppet, of course. I mean, there, there is a famous video clip from a, a few years ago. Yeah. Comedy Central. Where Obama was asked if it were constitutional to run for a third term. Yeah. Would that have appealed to you? And he said, 
you know, I would rather um, be in my sweats in my basement and have a little microphone and have a front man or front woman in the Oval Office with a little earpiece and be kind of directing things. I, I'd love to do something like that. And people look at that and say, well, that that kind of looks like what's going on. How many times does Joe Biden make a public appearance and there's media in front of him and say the words, if I take any more questions, I'm going to get into trouble. Yeah. Really? He's definitely said that. It's very suspicious. But this guy's so incompetent. He's reading the teleprompter when it says things like, uh, you know, end of line, repeat the line, end of quote, you know, things like this. It's like the guy can't even talk. This guy, it's, it's elder abuse at this point. We need to let him, you know, uh, enjoy the rest of his life in a nursing home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, no question about it. And keep them away from children. I got to mention something about that. There is a, um, there is a Twitter profile called Ram Rants. R-A-M-R-A-N-T-S. And back in 2027, and it is still his pinned tweet to this day. This guy's name, uh, Richard Armande Mills. November 13th, 2017. He said, it's time to talk about former Vice President Joe Biden, the open sexual predator. And he has a thread with a lot of videos. Um, I hadn't planned on bring this up either, but I, I think it, is something I just need to mention. So whenever senators are sworn into office every two years in January, either new senators or people who have been reelected taking the oath of office, it's a big deal for them. And they'll often bring their families, sometimes three generations. Who gets to swear them in, hand on the Bible, the vice president? And it's carried live on C-SPAN. And there are many videos in the pinned thread from R-A-M-R-A-N-T-S on Twitter of Joe Biden doing things like with a whole family saying, okay, everybody look up the cameras. And while they're looking up, he's molesting little girls on video. And it's hard for me to believe that nobody in the media knew anything about this because if they had started talking about this, I think it would have been very difficult for him to even get the Democrat nomination, but I just thought I should throw that in. Yeah. I mean, the guy's doing it live on C-SPAN. What's he doing behind closed doors? Yeah. And his um, daughter writes in her diary about the inappropriate showers. And that was confirmed to be actually her diary. I mean, that's shady. Um, Yeah. I'll leave it at that. There's more. Yeah. Yeah, There's plenty. I guess one of the, the biggest challenges of what you're doing is the fact that most Americans don't know and wouldn't know where to go to find out the truth about January 6, 2021 at the Capitol, even if they're interested in finding out about it. How, 
How do you deal with this? That's definitely true. Um, and I was a free speech activist um, since like 2019, even before January 6th. Um, the censorship has only ramped up since then. Obviously, they arrested, um, arrested, they uh, banned Donald Trump from Twitter after January 6th, you know, so it goes all the way to the top. But, you know, they had been banning people incrementally uh, until they get all the way to there. So it's top to bottom, it's bottom to top. They're censoring many different ways and um, it's a huge challenge. So uh, the best way we can get around that is if everybody in the meantime will get our links like stophate.com slash J6 that shows the calls to action, including linking to the uh, documentaries that show the truth. Get that link, copy it and paste it and email it to your friends, text it to your friends, send it to people, um, let them see that and you know, talk to people about it, spread it word of mouth. Um, because we get shadow banned on Twitter. We get our YouTube channels taken down. We get, you know, all kinds of, uh, censorship on our, our content from time to time. And it's just ongoing on an ongoing basis. It's one of the biggest things, one of the biggest challenges for J sixers. We get banned from, I got banned from Instagram. I got banned from Facebook on, uh, January 8th. That was long before the FBI, allegedly was even looking for me. So was the FBI working with uh, Facebook or was Facebook working with the FBI or are they both just separately uh, coming after me? And then I was banned from a dating app. I was banned from Airbnb. I was banned from Lyft. I've been banned from so many different things. And most of us have some January Sixers get their bank accounts uh, frozen or uh, banned or turned off or whatever. And then they just, they don't have access to that funds or they just don't have the funds anymore or they just don't have a place to put their funds. Uh, people get banned. I got banned from Stripe, which is a payment processing platform. So I can't use even the Christian uh, website, Give, Send, Go, um, because um, their backend uses the big tech platform, Stripe. So, um, you know, fortunately right now, I just have my mom set up one. So people can still donate to me that way. But these... These um, donation links that we've had set up since early the early days, many January Sixers use the Give, Send, Go because GoFundMe will ban them. Well, then you try to post it on Facebook or send it in a Facebook message or an Instagram message or something like that. They're banned on the URL level. So you, you try to send it and a little X appears. The person doesn't even realize you tried to send it. So the censorship is like that. Like To get around that, people can share um, the, the stophate.com link and then from there, people can click on the fundraisers page and find the person's fundraiser that they need. But we're having to do workarounds to get around the censorship. It's really bad. And it's not just the big tech censorship platforms. It's also the gatekeeping from the mainstream media, even on the right. There's a lot of people who, you know, you know, like Tucker Carlson, he, he brings me on and he talks about my situation, but uh, he, he doesn't uh, talk about um, the, the deaths on January 6th of Roseanne Boyland or Kevin Greeson. You know, so we, we've got a lot of people on our side who won't talk about a lot of the police brutality that happened that day or, or other, you know, things. Maybe they don't want to talk about the Antifa that were there that day or the secret agents that were there that day. There's a lot of stuff that people just won't talk about or they'll make a documentary and they'll talk about this and that, but not that. So if people go to stophate.com slash J6 and they share that with people, that's the best way to, to get the truth out and to help people because we need letters. We need fundraising, we need prayer. Um, you know, people need to try and uh, sway public opinion. And, and, you know, even if these uh, 
Congress people aren't for us. And even if their primaries and their elections are all rigged, you know, they still can get embarrassed into doing what we want. Like sometimes uh, Greg Abbott might do something, throw us a bone, even though he's a World Economic Forum stooge, he'll he'll do something for us if we are loud enough. So I think yeah. we just always, we the people need to be loud enough and saying, we know the truth about January 6th and this is what needs to happen because of it. Yeah, I, you know, you, you mentioned Tucker and I think he achieved a lot of good. Yeah. He's on Fox. I think he's achieved a lot of good since um, Fox told him you don't have a show anymore. But well, I think we all know why, right? Well, now that's interesting because I know that he was planning that very day, which was the day after the 60 Minutes interview with Ray Epps. He was going to blow that whole thing up. But I interviewed his biographer, Chadwick Moore, who was his last guest on the Friday night show when they had no idea. And um, he said, Fox News CEO, Suzanne Scott, called him that Monday morning when he was working on his monologue for that evening and basically told him, we appreciate your service to Fox News Channel, uh, but we're taking you off the air. Um, And when Tucker's trying to ask, well, what's going on? Why? Got to go. So they never officially told him. Now, I mean, obviously, obviously, I think it's a combination of they want to make sure they got everybody under their thumb. He usually had the best ratings on the whole channel. Sometimes the five would have better ratings, but, you know, usually it would be Tucker. So the rest of the people are like, hey, wait, they fired Tucker? Didn't actually fire him, took him off the air. They wanted to keep paying him and wanted him to keep his mouth shut until the contract was up in early 2025. If they can take Tucker off the air, who am I? Right. I'm just a hard news guy who has a show on from this time to this time every day. Nobody even missed me. People are furious. They took Tucker off. So that's number one. Number two, of course, Fox News is in the process of trying to become a CNN, but keep their ratings. Uh, the Saturday after the 2020 election, one of Rupert Murdoch's daughters-in-law announced that Saturday morning after they announced, well, Biden won, she went on Twitter and said, we did it. So, yeah, I think we know why. But but the reason I, I brought up Tucker was... Although I'm glad he interviewed you, um, his his number one goal working for a profit-making organization was trying to attract as big an audience as possible, just like Rush Limbaugh used to say on the radio, trying to attract as big an audience as possible so that they can charge more for commercials. That That's the way our capitalist system works. Now, I think... And don't be surprised if he revisits January 6th. Um, I know he did some stuff on Fox Nation, but now that he's on Twitter X or whatever they want to call these days, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point you would hear from him again saying, hey, Daniel, let's do a follow-up. Don't count him out. 
No, no, absolutely. You don't count him out. Um, I think that I, I was just giving him as an example that he hasn't spoken up about those particular issues yet. Yeah. I think he will eventually, but there's, there's, there's other people who I would say, I, I wouldn't even call him a gatekeeper, but there's a lot of these people who I would call a gatekeeper. And I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it when people get offended, but I would even say people like Julie Kelly or Darren Beatty could be considered gatekeepers. Because, you know, they all always got their narrative crafted out there of what they, how they see January 6th. And that's the counter narrative to the main narrative, which is obviously the mainstream media narrative. But then what, what, what about the, the people who are more, um, grassroots than them? What about us getting our stuff out there? You know? Yeah. So we can get it out there by their permission, but without their blessing, who knows? Maybe we'll get it viral. Maybe we won't. But if we did have their blessing, we would definitely get our stuff viral, right? I mean, so these kind of people are gatekeepers. Um, and for example, the January 6th footage was given to Tucker. It wasn't really given to him. He was given access to be able to view it in a kiosk. Yeah. Then after that, they gave the access to Julie Kelly, to John Solomon, to um, uh, John, or not John, what's Joe Hanneman, uh, and I think maybe one other person. So those people, um, they, they have access to be able to put a lot more truth out there, but, uh, they're kind of gatekeepers too, you know, cause we, you know, we could say, you know, we'd like for them to show, uh, this camera or that camera. And if they do, they do, if they don't, they don't. And we just have to wait and we can't share the things that are sensitive. Even if we know this is what happens at this time and this is what people need to see. Yeah. Let the record reflect, uh, Darren J. Beatty. Um, has a, a website called revolver.news. Uh, Julie Kelly has been writing for American Greatness, AM Greatness. Uh, great work, by the way, but I do consider them gatekeepers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Darren J. Beatty is the reason I know about Ray Epps. That's where I first heard about Ray Epps. And, and the reason most people know about Ray Epps is because at Stop Hate, we reported on it with the footage um, that my friend Baked Alaska filmed. And you can even go and look up Media Matters has a hit piece about, hit piece about it. Um, smearing us. So we're the ones who really popularized that uh, narrative, but Darren Beatty gets all the credit. So he's words, a famous one. We're not famous, but we, you know, we, we do the work. So in other words, your website had it even before revolver news had it. Um, I think so. I can go, I can go double check those numbers, but uh, you know, huh. we, we, we had that viral clip very early on. Um, and we were yeah. asking who is Ray apps or is Ray apps a fed um, and, and, uh, that was pretty early on. So, yeah. and, and Julie Kelly at amgreatness.com has, uh, uh, done a lot of coverage of the trials and expressed outrage that your judge was giving you grief over expressing your first amendment right to free speech. But I understand what you're saying in, in that people are gatekeepers because they have to decide, uh, let me see. There's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much room in an article. Do I cover this or do I cover that? And, and which comes first and, and that sort of thing, I guess. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit about narrative and there's a little bit about funding because Julie Kelly has her book out and she's making a bunch of money on that. Are any January Sixers getting money for their fundraisers from that? Maybe. I haven't heard of any, but maybe they are. But I didn't. You know, and there's a thousand of us. Um, whenever I do this work, I'm, I'm trying to get I'm tell, trying to tell people where they can find all the fundraisers of these people. I'm not trying to say, give me the money and then I'll go distribute it to who I think deserves it. Yeah. What about when Cash Patel gets this uh, Donald Trump song of the Patriots and the Gulag singing the national anthem 
and they raise all this money and that's supposed to go to Trump supporters, right? Well, they decide, oh no, we're not going to give it to um, some of these January Sixers if they were accused of violence. Accused of violence? Well, if they're accused, doesn't mean they were violent. And sometimes the violence was justified because it was in retaliation to them seeing police brutality unjustifiably harming or killing people. So these are the people who actually sang the national anthem in the gulag, the people who were there when Roseanne Boylan was murdered, and then they maybe retaliated against police. And maybe they shouldn't have, but maybe they should have, you know, that's a debatable, but those are the people who are in the gulag. We're not going to let them have any of those funds. So there's a lot of people who are doing a lot of gatekeeping and, you know, it's, it's, it's something I, I don't really like to talk about because I'm one of these unity guys and I want us to support anyone who's putting points on the board for us. And definitely Cash Patel and Julie Kelly and, um, and Darren Beatty and all these guys, they're definitely putting points on the board for us. Um, but it's just, you know, it, there's, there's, it's got to be talked about that there's a gatekeeping issue that's on the right too. And it's not just the left and it's not just the big tech censorship that's holding back. Like we announced these deaths long, long ago, and now we're allowed to talk about them, but nobody was allowed to talk about them earlier. And even now, like if, if, uh, if these people would have put this stuff out about all these things a long time ago, it would have been a lot more known to the public, you know, the, the police brutality. So I'm going to have to ask you something that I had not planned on asking you, but sometimes the conversation goes in unexpected directions. Um, as far as you know, has Donald Trump contributed any money to try to help any January 6th defendants? None that I know of, but I think he may have through, again, another uh, organization that's kind of gatekeeping. There's one called um, Patriot Freedom Project, I think. I think he may have donated to them and then they chose who to give them to. So it's not me. It's none of my friends. And I know a lot of January Sixers, but there's maybe a few select people who are getting some of those funds. But it's, you know, he could have said a word, just said, hey, donate to the January Sixers. And we would have gotten millions and millions of dollars. We would have all been able to pay for all of our lawyers. I mean, I still owe like um, tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees. And I'm just trying to get by. But um, Trump could have said a word and it would have helped all the January Sixers. You know, there's people who are foreclosing their houses. I mean, think about it. You got the guy, the husband, the father. He's in jail. He's in prison. Who's, who's doing the work when the wife is trying to raise the kids? Who's, who's bringing home the, the money, you know? So a lot of these times, these people are really struggling a lot and it's terrible. It's really just so sad. And, you know, um, I, I, I do very much still support Trump in a lot of ways, but I'm, I'm, I mean, he hasn't done enough and I'm definitely disappointed in him. I mean, politically, my biggest issue with him is the warp speed stuff. And, you know, he can be more clear on transgender issues, obviously, things like that. But, you know, he, he, he got us those uh, Supreme Court justices that helped us with Roe v. Wade and things like that. So, you know, definitely got to give him props. Um, yeah. Best president I can think of in a long time, maybe ever. But, uh, you know, I'm more far right than Trump. That's not hard to do. Yeah. Um, Daniel Goodwin, uh, I appreciate your candor and I appreciate your standing up for the truth. And I appreciate your believing 
do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, the, the website, again, is stophate.com. If you want to find out about the Give, Send, Go um, and, and this sort of thing, and you want to get evidence that you haven't seen before about January 6th, uh, and the uh, the two movies that these folks have already released, Writing History and Bloody Hill, are on Stop8.com. The trailer for Thousand Days of Terror, the movie that should be available soon, is at one-zero-zero-zero-daysofterror.com. Uh, um, Brother Daniel, do you have any parting words you want to share with our viewers before we wrap this thing up? Um, yeah, I would just, well, just to clarify, um, the thousand days of terror is like a five minute, uh, piece that's already out. And that's kind of the trailer for, uh, J six, a true timeline. And that's the one that's coming out soon. So okay, it's almost, it's, it's almost like a mini documentary. It really shows how January six started, um, shows Joshua Matthew black getting shot That actual footage is in there. And, uh, so this needs to go viral. Everyone needs to go, uh, find that the Twitter account that we posted it from, from that website. Uh, and retweet that and uh, share it with all your friends. Very good. Daniel Goodwin, thank you for coming on the Doc Washburn Show. Uh, We appreciate everything, sir, and uh, we wish you Godspeed. God bless. Thanks for having me on. God bless you. Thank you very much. And now it's time for our Tweet of the Day, brought to you by Red River Auto. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online at redriverauto.com and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Tweet of the day. Okay, today's tweet of the day, Uniparty mad. The National Pulse reports Hillary Clinton is demanding a backlash against Matt Gates, Florida congressman, for having the gall to lead the movement to remove Kevin McCarthy from his position as Speaker of the House. Matt Gates responded, I did not kill myself. Boom. Now, if you want to know my response to Matt Gates, go check out my Twitter feed in which I threw in another name of a guy who didn't kill himself. Hint, it's not Jeffrey Epstein, who also didn't kill himself. That's all I'm going to say about that for now. Tweet of the Day brought to you by RedRiverAuto.com. Tweet of the Day. You've been watching episode 409 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel and click on that notification bell to help our videos be seen by more people. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us. And we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions. Seventh floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability 
for the Doc Washburn Show. And that's the way it was. Friday, October 6th, 2023.